Hey guys, and welcome back to the channel. It is Q&A time. It's a live. I'm here for you guys to go through anything that you want to discuss, tennis-related. And look, I'm looking forward to it because a lot to discuss. There were some really good matches on today. The draws are out for Vienna as well, and that looks absolutely stacked. So there's some incredible tournaments coming up as well, which aren't even Master 1000 tournaments. They're not even, well... They're not, they're not Master 1000 tournaments, they're not Grand Slams, but they're still really big tournaments. And it's incredible how these ATP 500s and 250s, how stacked some of them have been this year. I am extremely, extremely uh, excited for those. So, yeah, we can get into that, of course, as well. But any questions that you guys have, Matt in the house, Dutchie as well. Hey, Dutchie, how you doing? David says, commiserations was on, on England in the rugby. I don't watch rugby, so well, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, this is what it is, I guess. Heartbreaking loss for England in the rugby. Yeah, again, sorry, guys. I'm wrong person to talk to you about rugby, unfortunately. Uh, I was watching the football. Chelsea Arsenal earlier, I'm a Chelsea fan. So, but uh, apart from that, all good. Right, okay. Shall we start with some questions as well? Potentially, we can do a draw preview or two as well if we want to but there are some really really big matches around the corner especially in vienna uh, which we can discuss before we do let's start getting through some of the questions keep the questions coming this is what this is primarily for to answer any questions you have it doesn't have to be related to tennis like current event tennis or matches now it can be anything you want it can be a question about a player from the 90s, the 2000s, a scenario, anything tennis-related, that's what these lives are for, is to answer any questions that you guys might have that you think you maybe can't ask in live streams and in watch-alongs, and uh, you might think, oh, actually, this is maybe not the right platform. <clears throat> so Matt has a couple of questions. We can go into these first. Uh, throwing all the pol politics out of it, what are your thoughts on the Saudi Masters being proposed and will this put an end to the summer down under Australian Open tune-ups? It's a good, it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting one because you say take politics out of it, but you know, of course, I'm sure there will be some people talking about it. Let's put it to one side and just talk about it more from a geographical point of view and also practicality point of view. Of course, they're doing it in Saudi or they're going to look to do it in Saudi because money talks, right? And I know they are putting up a lot of money. That's just the crux of the matter. Uh, just like in football where, you know, we people have seen players like Ronaldo, et cetera, go to the Saudi um, league, et cetera. It's the same principle in tennis and they've just got a lot of money. So they are starting to throw it into sport a lot and they are definitely, yeah, I mean, they're, they're throwing their weight around really. And, it's tough for a lot of these sports to deny that and to turn it down because one, you know, well, it's, it's a balancing act, right? Because I think for me, if they're going to take more money from these types of tournaments, where does it go to? And it doesn't necessarily need to be Saudi, but any, any other ge geographic or well, geographies, any other, you know, locations in the world, if they're putting up a lot of money, how are the ATP or WTA, how are they investing that money? Because there's been massive, massive uproar about players, especially from a grassroots level, not being paid enough. And also, if you're an ATP or WTA player and you're outside of 
the top 150, 200, they're struggling to make ends meet or pay for their tournaments or even have a coach in some instances. So, you know, that needs to be looked into. There's definitely it's definitely a top-heavy pay schedule which or pay structure, which you can maybe understand to some degree, but at the same time, I think it needs to be even that a little bit. I can see that the, I think it was the, is it the ATP have put something in place a couple, a couple of, well, a few months ago that's going to start in 2024, if I'm not mistaken, initiative, which is a step in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, I would like more money to be invested in that. In terms of the location, now, I have been a massive avid supporter of having more major tennis tournaments in different territories. I think there's obviously a lot of tennis tournaments in the US uh, and in Europe, for example. Uh, we don't really have that many. And that's why I've enjoyed this part of the year to a degree is the Asian swing because different crowds, we are growing the sport more as well, which is fantastic. And uh, like, I don't see why not, to be honest with you, in terms of having a different geographies. I think it's a positive thing in all honesty, to have more and more people um, hopefully picking up the sport, you know, and being able to relate to the sport. And I think in the past, we've maybe had only a few, a handful of countries who have had really strong contenders in major tournaments. We're starting to see more and more players from different countries. And a good example is someone like Nicholas Jerry from Chile. Uh, you know, we've had some players from Chile before as well, but you don't normally associate Chile being a massive tennis country, for example, and that's fantastic. And, you know, there's there's a few other stories as well. On Jabir Tunisia, for example, you know, she's done she's done incredible things for Tunisia, for African tennis as well, or just for Africa and in general. So those are two examples. So I think if it's done the right way, I don't have an issue with it. And yeah, that, that's definitely, for me anyway, something that I... Yeah, I would be more than open to saying, "Look, yeah, let, let's ha let's see how it goes, and let's try and make the calendar a bit more diverse in terms of territories, and also the players will enjoy it as well, right? Because if you, the players, for example, when I know a lot of players love Tokyo, uh, which that event is just well, it's happening now, and they've been loving that tournament, to be honest with you, so. Uh, you know, it's a complete, it's a new experience for them. It's a life experience for them. And it's com something completely different. And I think they kind of enjoy that in a way. Uh, you need to manage the schedule though as well. So they're not traveling so much in very, very small clumps. And that's a different question. But yeah. Uh, number two, if the Saudi Masters go through, which Masters would you downgrade? I say Miami. I'd also like to see Miami go to green clay and add another clay court tournament. I'm not a massive fan of green clay. And interestingly, there aren't many green clay tournaments. The only one to mind, which is of note, is Charleston, of course, from the WTA. Green clay is an interesting one because it plays quite differently from what I've seen to normal clay. It's a lot quicker, um, doesn't bounce quite as high as well. I wouldn't mind it being clay. Um, could they get ordinary clay? And I guess they don't really, you don't really see ordinary clay or red clay in the US and Canada. So... I wonder whether they'd be able to even do that. But Miami's an interesting one because they've got this small little structure that they build in the, mid in, in the middle of a massive, massive American football stadium, uh, which is home to the Miami Dolphins. 
And it's just like a stadium within a stadium. And it's because they can't fill it out because it's just so, so big. Uh, so there is a bit of, I don't know, it, just, it does seem a little bit strange uh, in honesty uh, when you look at it from the outside in. But I don't mind it. I mean, off the top of my head, would that be the Master 1000 tournament that I would drop? I, to be honest, it probably would be one of the ones in the US because I think they've got a lot of them. So I don't think Miami is a bad shout, to be fair. Uh, Dutchy says, do you think Runa and Boris Becker will work out for Zanzibar? That's a really good question. Really good question. I mean, let's maybe take one step back. And for those of you who maybe don't have, like me, to be fair, I'd never watched Boris Becker live because I'm not old enough to. But from you know the research that I've done or highlights I've watched or matches of him that I've watched in the past, his strengths were his serve and his incredible athleticism and his volleying ability um which were kind of big big pluses in his repertoire runa's got a pretty good net game he's got pretty good hands from what i've seen he's very athletic like exactly like boris becker was as well they're both pretty fiery competitors right i think that's fair to say one area that i think boris becker should hopefully be able to help Holger Runa out with, you would imagine, is the serve. I think there are massive, massive improvements that could be made on his serve. I really do think there's a lot of room for improvement there. I also think, uh, and I'm sure Boris Becker will really try and drill this into Holger Runa because he coached Novak Djokovic between 2013-2016, where he won multiple Grand Slams. And from that experience, he will know, not just with his own career, but also watching Novak, that depth is so underrated in tennis. And Djokovic hits the ball deeper than anyone. I've heard, actually, I've heard Becker say this before, actually, that Djokovic hits the ball deeper than anyone. That's one of the biggest reasons as to why he's so good. Holger Runa does not hit the ball deep enough. That sounds so basic to say, but if you watch his matches, he will win quite a few points in some instances when he has, say, dropped the ball short and he is so good athletically, so good defensively, that he's able to dig himself out of trouble and potentially win that point from, in my opinion, a defensive position, right? Which not even a neutral position, but a defensive position. Um, and he's able to turn it around. And it's one of those things which is is a great ability to have. But I think there's too many instances of him defending when he shouldn't be defending. When he, he should have constructed a point better uh, by hitting a more quality ball. And I think, in my opinion, he doesn't do that enough. Um, in my opinion, I, I just from what I've seen, like even the Masters tournament against uh, Novak when he won it, he was definitely hitting with more depth in that in that win, but he still to me wasn't hitting with the type of depth that we associate with say Novak. And I'm not saying that he needs to hit with that amount of depth because there's no one else really on tour that does that. But that's kind of the goal, right? That's the goal. Like, can we get close to that? Because his backhand is extremely solid. Uh, it's a real, in my opinion, it's a, almost a safe bet. Like he barely misses it when he's on form. 
The forehand can be a little bit loopy and with a lot of spin and not a lot of penetration through the court. On clay, it seems to be fine. I think on hard courts and quicker courts, especially on grass, I think he struggles to get that pop through the court and really push players back. Uh, we saw that against Alcaraz where he was like really comprehensively outplayed, to be honest, in that that matchup. And um, the returning, I think he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty natural returner, but I do think sometimes he's a little bit happy with making the return rather than being a bit more proactive on it and trying to hit deeper in or actually pick his spots on his return, which sounds a bit crazy to say, but I do think he's that talented that he can do that to a degree. Um, but I do like I do like the fact that he comes forward, he transitions a lot, he volleys nicely, he's got good hands. And yeah, he's very athletic. I just I would like to see a little bit more offensively, and also as I said, just a higher quality of ball in neutral rallies. I feel like he doesn't do that enough. So I'm thinking that Boris Becker will be able to do something there. The question is going to be for me whether they gel together personality wise. If they gel together personality wise, I think there's a lot to be gained by having Boris Becker as a coach. And he seems very, very high on Holgaruna, but we'll see. It's an exciting, it's an exciting prospect. So let's see how they finish off this year. There's not too long left in it, and then I'm assuming he will get at least six months of next year. Uh, so really, we can touch base maybe, maybe after Roland Garros because I think that'll be a big tournament for him. He'll want to go deep there after Roland Garros, and if he's not playing any better, then we may see Boris Becker, you know, part ways um, with Holgerina potentially because it wouldn't have worked. Because I, I do think there are some very quick fixes to get him back to competitive shape anyway, uh, and then improvements to be made upon beyond that even. Oh, Adam Junior says, do you think her catch will have the best season of his career so far next year? It's a really good question. It's a really good question, actually, because he won the Shanghai Masters uh, this year, of course, beating Dimitrov in the final. Dimitrov? Rublev in the final, in a really, really good final. Uh, very exciting. And her catch is one of those players that I watch him, and sometimes his level is so so good honestly i watch him and i just think he's got an incredible serve he's got a top five serve in the world no doubt he's got really good hands potentially top five net game i would say as well transitions quite well the other parts of his game they're not top five let's be honest they're not uh, the backhand is very reliable for the most part i think it's very reliable i like it the forehand is a, can be a problem that's for sure uh, it can break down it can look awkward you can drop it short similar to what i was saying about holgaruna too much spin not enough pop through the court with him i think he plays at his best when one he's playing to his strengths and he backs himself to come forward and two he needs to be a little bit more brave. And the Shanghai Masters, it was an example of him playing some of his best tennis on albeit a fast, well, albeit a fast hardcore, which definitely suits his game more than I would say a slower hardcore or 
a slower surface generally. Uh, in fact, I did an analysis on her catch and his win percentage on grass. On this, I'm going to really test myself here because grass is his best surface was around 63%, I want to say. And on clay, it dropped quite significantly to something like, I want to say, I want to say 38%, something like that. I mean, it was a big, big drop. So he's definitely a surface-dependent player. He's not going to win a Masters 1000 tournament or a Grand Slam on clay. His best chances are going to be at the hardcore tournaments and the grass court tournaments, and especially the faster hardcores. Can he have his best year next year, just to answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I think he is improving. I know he hasn't had an extremely consistent year, but he still made quite a few quarter finals, quite a few semifinals. You know, he's won a Master 1000 tournament. That's all positive. And one thing that really is etched in my mind from this year is the level he showed against Novak Djokovic at Wimbledon. He lost a tiebreaker that he should have won in that match. And if he wins that, I think that goes to five sets because they come back the next day uh, because they hit the curfew. Or was, I think it was, yeah, because they hit the curfew. He came back and he won a set of Djokovic and he lost in four sets. A really tight, tight match. Played some incredible tennis. Uh, it has to be said. But he didn't manage the tie breaks very well. And Djokovic was on that incredible run of tiebreakers where he won 15 or I think it was 15, 16 tiebreakers in a row, which was incredible since uh, the French Open. But for me, her catch has definitely has the ability to have a really good season can he win a grand slam i'm not sure can he go deep in a slam yes i don't see why not i could see him making a semi-final i could see him even making a final could i see him winning one i think a lot of stars would need to align for him to win one I could see him winning another Master 1000 tournament next year, no doubt. Um, I don't see why he couldn't win one. Um, I do think that the draw has a big part of it. There are certain players that he obviously struggles with, which most players struggle with, for example, Djokovic. Uh, I do also think, you know, Alcaraz, who this year in some big tournaments, he's had chances to beat Alcaraz and he hasn't beaten him, which has been very bizarre. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I just think he needs to be a bit more clinical. And needs to find that ruthless nature. Uh, but he is limited to a degree because he's not that all-round player who has lots of different ways of playing on lots of different surfaces. It's very obvious what he is. He is a big serving, big serving player with a really good net game, um, some solid ground strokes, and you know, he's best on a fast surface. And everyone knows that. And everyone knows how he plays. It's just can how well can he execute his game plan against uh, players. So we'll see. We'll see how he gets on. But I am very, very intrigued to see how he gets on next year. I think he, sh I think this year has been quite positive despite some near misses. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has a career best season next year. And I, I hope he does. He's such, I mean... 
obviously I haven't met him in person, but from what it seems, he's one of the nicest guys on the tour. And I actually dubbed the Shanghai Masters final <laughs> um, the uh, the nice guy final because it was Rublev versus her catch. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on next year. Uh, I'm also thinking he may make the ATP finals. And I want to see him at the ATP finals because I think... He'd have some success there. I think he'd enjoy the indoor conditions. So let's see. <clears throat> Jerome, sorry if you already mentioned, but what's the upco upcoming calendar looking like for the rest of the year? Notable tennis events, etc. Okay, I mean, we can go through it. No problem. Uh, I haven't mentioned it specifically, so why not? Let's go. Let's get, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, right, notable events so at the moment of course there are some events still going on um but in terms of next week so there's two 500s going on one in vienna one in basel i'll probably do some draw previews on that or if you guys want me to do the draw previews on here and like go through the brackets on tnns let me know and i can do it on here i guess but might be better if i do two separate recorded videos for people that aren't tuning into the live and there are some absolutely stacked, absolutely stacked lineups for Vienna and Basel. We go through some of the matchups, first round matchups. Uh, but then the big one, which is 30th of October, is the Paris Masters, which is a Masters 1000 tournament, of course. This is the ATP we'll talk about first. And then after that, there's a couple of 250s in France and Sofia. And then the big one, which is the Nitto ATP Finals, which is in November, the 12th of November to 19th of November. And then Davis Cup, if anyone's a big Davis Cup fan, uh, that's in November as well, Davis Cup Finals. And the Next Gen Finals, which is actually in Saudi Arabia, which we were talking about earlier about Saudi Arabia. They were getting or are getting more tournaments. Uh, so that is the back end of November. And that's it in terms of the calendar. The United Cup is also, I think it's the last few days of the year um, for the ATP side. Uh, then for the WTA, and WTA, there's a few events on as well, um, but not as many major events apart from the big one, which is the WTA finals. Um, which, I mean, it's interesting because it's October 24th, so it's actually not very far away at all is that right october 24th that doesn't seem right is it that soon the wta finals no and it's not in what is going on hold on i think this calendar is wrong that doesn't seem right no 29th of october that's better to sunday 5th of november that sounds better why is the calendar showing that bizarre um yeah their calendar's messed up actually on their website here you go wta finals october 29th to november 5th what's this wta elite trophy no idea what this is which is bizarre because yeah Okay, WTA 500, October 9th, 
15th, which has happened already. So really, WTA, only big thing left is WTA finals, uh, which is the back end of this month. There's not really anything else, which is a little bit of a shame, to be honest, that their, their season ends so early. Um, but I guess it's good in a way because they have a bit more of a break, which I think is is nice for them because a lot of the players have seemed a little bit burnt out. And I know Eager and a few other players were saying that the calendar is crazy. So oh, I do wonder whether they push back the WTA finals a few weeks next year and they have some larger breaks in between some of the major tournaments. But we'll see. We'll see. Dachi says, do you think Rath will come back? Yeah. Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll come back next year. Uh, the goal seems to be the Australian Open. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play the US... Sorry, the Australian Open. I think he would definitely look to play Roland Garros, definitely, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's tough to know, isn't it, really? How how is going to come back? But let's see, let's see. And also, how is he going to look? Is he going to be competing? Because if he's not competing, I reckon if he plays the Australian Open and plays Roland Garros and he doesn't compete, I think he might retire. Then I, I don't think he'll play Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. If he looks, if he goes out very early in those two tournaments, I would be very surprised if he carries on. And uh, the Olympics is a goal of his as well. That's at Roland Garros next year. A big tournament for Novak because he'll be looking to win a gold medal, which is really the only thing missing from his trophy cabinet. So, I mean, if he gets that, I think it's just going to be, yeah, I mean, it's already undoubtable, I think, that he's the GOAT. But, yeah, I mean, that would just be the cherry on top, wouldn't it? Because he really does hold it in high regard, as do most players, which is why it's a bit bizarre that, Patrick Morantogli said that the Olympics aren't important to players because I completely disagree with that. Anyway, David says here, first tennis memory, something Hemmen related. Uh, first tennis memory. It's a good question, you know. My first tennis memory... Mm, I don't know if it was Henman. I don't know if it was actually. I think it might have been Federer. It might have been Federer. Was it Federer? It would have been Wimbledon. No, it was Henman. It was. You're right. It was something Henman related because I had his Slazenger black and white racket and i remember actually I, yeah you know the one that you just buy in the shops like nothing special and um yeah we and actually one of the biggest memories i have which is a very bizarre memory by the way is not actually specific live tennis but um i used to have this game on it would have been PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, uh, called Virtua, uh, Virtua Tennis. I don't know if any of you guys remember that, but Virtua Tennis. And that's how I got to know a lot of the players at that time. So it had Tommy Haas, who was my favorite player, um, backwards cap, really powerful player on the game and exactly what he was like in real life. Uh, there was, uh, 
Cedric, uh, Cedric um, Pialini, French player. Uh, Henry was on there as well. Who else is on there? Oh, let's retest my memory. There are a few others as well. Um, oh, Magnus Norman, who was like rapid on the game because he's one of the quickest players ever, right? He was just incredibly quick um, around the court. And James Blake as well was on there. So, yeah, that was quite funny. I used to play that a lot. And that really, I think, piqued my interest even more with tennis, I would say, um, when I was very, very young. Yeah. Uh, Matt's saying some of the tennis clubs have them. I think talking about green, about normal red clay. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Limit clay miserables to the French Open. <laughs> Dutchy, not a fan of, of clay. At his best, Runa has insane depth, trickery, uh, tricky player to analyze. Holger says David. I don't know if he has insane depth. I don't know if I agree with that, David. But yeah, I mean, definitely more depth than you know on his average day. That is, especially when he's on form. I agree. Jerome says, "Why is the French Open so close to Wimbledon? And do you reckon we should get more grass court tournaments on the tour?" To be honest, it used to be a lot closer. It used to be even closer than it was this year. This year, they've actually had a bigger, bigger gap in between the two tournaments. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, they've got a bigger gap, which is a positive thing. Is it going to be even more? Don't think so. Uh, not in the foreseeable future, but would it be nice to have a bigger, bigger gap, potentially? I would like there to be more grass court tournaments, but the one thing about grass tournaments which everyone knows is it's weather dependent and some of the tournaments or a tournament for example like the queen's club here in the uk i mean look, it could easily rain for multiple days and there's no indoor court so i think if they were going to have more grass court tournaments they would need to find somewhere it'd probably have to be in europe or because the french open and wimbledon it's all in europe they'd have to I wouldn't be now, but it probably need to be somewhere where they could build a... Normally, you have to have two main courts at least for a Masters, if I'm not mistaken. So they would have... They'd have to have a main court with a roof, for one, because of the weather. Um, and then you... So you could have indoor grass, potentially, uh, which would be pretty crazy. But same thing as you have at Wimbledon. And I would like to see a Masters 1000 somewhere on grass, but there's a lot of money involved, of course, in, in building. And I think grass is quite hard to maintain or uh, it's quite expensive to maintain. I think it was Ghost was saying to this, uh, this to me. He's been saying it, banging the drum, drum for it, to be fair. So I'll believe him. Uh, I have no reason not to, but he was saying that hardcore tournaments are a lot, e or hard courts generally, are a lot easier to maintain cost-wise. So... It makes more sense to, to make more tournaments hardcore, which to be fair, there are more hardcore tournaments on tour. But if I take, because I don't have a huge amount of knowledge of how expensive they are generally, if I was to assume that cost isn't a factor, then yes, I would like to see more grass court tournaments. I would actually like it if the calendar was one third grass, one third hard, one third Clay, I mean, I'm also a little bit miffed as to why we have two hardcourt tournaments, uh, which are Grand Slams and only one grass and one clay. But at the same time, 
if we then factor in costs, and that's one of the biggest reasons, then then it makes sense as to why that's the case, right? So, yeah, in an ideal world where we don't have to worry about people don't have to worry about money, then yes, will we get it? I don't know. I don't think we'll get a Masters One Thousand Grass Court Tournament anytime soon. Queen's Club isn't big enough, the complex, I don't think, to be a Masters 1000 tournament. They need to build a roof as well. I don't know if they're going to do that. So let's see. Let's see. But uh, yeah, I would like to. I would like to see it. I'd like to see it. Jerome says, growth of the channel has been looking solid. How do you want the channel to keep growing and how many subscribers are you hoping to reach by the end of the year? Thank you. Appreciate it. How do I want the channel to keep growing? Well, just with you guys, really. And in all honesty, like, this channel is built, the foundation of this channel is built upon you guys as subscribers. Uh, you guys make the channel. So thank you for your support. Appreciate it. Like, genuinely, it's really, really appreciated. And especially people that are members as well. That's even more helpful because, you know, we, especially when I first started, course the channel wasn't making any money at all whatsoever so it was just me putting a lot of money to just invest in it and say look something's going to happen from it even now i'm pretty sure i put more money into the channel than we earn from it. anyway all of the money from streams that people do for commentary like anthony and david and you know eliza and anthony the the tennis 360 podcast um all that revenue from those from that content goes to those guys directly 100% of it and then everything that i do like you know comes into me which is fine um but the channel is growing at a pretty good rate so we yeah we appreciate it and all the membership money goes towards paying for subscriptions and it costs and whatever else so yeah like it's really 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 helpful so don't think that your guys support isn't making a difference because it is in terms of this year well i had a very ambitious goal at the start of the year that <laughs> that i wanted the channel to hit ten thousand subscribers by the end of the year i don't think we're going to hit that by the looks of it we had a very big year i think sorry big month last month i think it was or what month before we gained like 500 subscribers but I don't see that happening in November and December. And even if it were to happen, we still wouldn't hit the 10K mark. So a more realistic target, probably 8,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I mean, if we, if we can hit 10, then amazing. I think we need one viral video for that to hit 10K, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, let me let me finish this question very quickly because I feel like you guys are probably bored about me talking about the channel and, the, and its future, but really i want to do this full-time because i'm not doing it full-time i have a full-time job and the channel doesn't make enough at the moment for me to be able to do it full-time so that's really the the dream uh for it to be big enough that i can do it full-time devote all my time to it and it is like i devote a lot of time to it as it is but you know we i also do have help from some other people now which is great and yeah i, I think there's so many ideas i have um that i would like to to really get my teeth into but it's more about time so we'll see we'll see but that's that's the plan that's the plan uh max says, i wonder how arthur fields is going to do next year he has potential he does i mean of course beat sits past today in two tiebreakers and we'll be playing 
the final tomorrow against none other than Alexander Bublik. So that'll be a really entertaining match. We should be doing that. I think David's going to do the final tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, tune in for that. Uh, Jerome says, how often do you play tennis in the winter? I'm trying to find indoor places near me. So I play quite regularly still in the winter. It can be difficult, though, because, as you said, weather dependent. It rains a lot more in the winter, generally speaking, as well. I'm actually supposed to play tomorrow. I was going to play today, but it rained, so I will be playing tomorrow, fingers crossed, weather permitting. And we have outdoor clay courts at my club, which soaks up water a lot better. I used to play twice a week, you know, in the winter for years. And my hands were very, very cold, let's say. It wasn't the, the most enjoyable, but the best thing to do to, well, my advice would be if you are struggling to find indoor courts, which can be expensive, or you don't have ones accessible, which I do have some that are accessible, but they're a little bit more expensive. But the last couple of years, that's what me and uh, one of my hitting partners have been doing. At my club, we've been we've been going there once a week and then maybe once a week playing at the club is if you don't have indoor courts accessible to go and play um, on a weekend once a week, Saturday or Sunday, but around midday, because that's when it's the warmest, the sun's hopefully out and you're not going to freeze. We used to play like eight, 9 a.m. in the morning on say Saturday and oh, it's so, so cold and the evenings aren't great either, to be honest. So if you can sneak in playing once a week, I do think that it will help you tick over. So it's important, I think, because then come the weather being slightly warmer in spring and summer, you don't feel like you have to then like recover your form or like have to, you know, play yourself back into where you were, like ability-wise or form-wise during the year. So as a club player, I'd say it's, it's it's really, really helped. Um, there were a couple of years when I was a lot younger where I just used to play in the summers. It'd be tough because then you come back and you start playing in the summer because I play other sports as well. I'd play in the summer and then the first few weeks, I'd be like, I'm playing rubbish. Like, this is terrible. And it would take me a while to get back to where I was towards the end of last summer. So you do feel like your progress is stagnated uh, if you don't play regularly. So that's the same with anything, I guess. But yeah, just my two pennies on that. Max says, I hope Corder can have more consistent results after reaching the semis in Shanghai. Agreed. It was good to see him playing some really good tennis. I'm hoping he can stay fit is the biggest thing for me. And then after that, it's okay. He's staying, staying fit. Can he consistently play at a high enough level to compete in these tournaments? And potentially also make some runs at slams. Uh, Davis says, her catch has been going to deciding sets too much this year. Needs to be ruthless, break more and be efficient in early rounds. Third set breakers with low top 100 players every other week is not ideal. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. And you know what? You make a really good point. He doesn't break serve enough. He doesn't. And because his serve is so good that that's why he's going to a lot of tiebreakers because he's not getting broken a lot, but he's also not breaking enough. His return game needs to improve. He needs to be a bit more offensive, I think. 
more offensive minded and also be a bit more ambitious in the return games and and want to break more and not I almost feel like sometimes he's a bit happy to just say, okay, well, it's fine. Return games come and gone, but I'm gonna hold my serve. Worst case scenario I've got is a tiebreaker at the end of the end of the set. But then tiebreakers can be a, a bit of a lottery, even if you're a big server like I catch. So and also, why do you want to play super long sets? The the goal of most players should be, look, let's try and get this set done as quickly as possible. Uh, in my favour, that is, of course. And let's try and make opportunities for myself instead of waiting for opportunities to fall into my lap. Because at the, this high level, they're not going to get a huge amount of opportunities to break serve just because the opponent has made three errors in a game. You normally have to try and work for some of those uh, points on a return game to open up a break point. So, yeah, definitely something that he can work on for sure. Uh, Dutch says, any upsets for Basel or Vienna? Well, I'll tell you what, we can go through if you guys want the draw preview and predict predictions on PNS and do the bracket. Or if you guys want to wait, then I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do two separate recorded videos for Vienna and Basel. But look, I mean, these are the matches in Vienna that incredibly high level which is just ridiculous first round matches you got medvedev versus fields which is or yeah which is just ridiculous sits pass versus team i mean again unbelievable uh dimitrov versus Mossetti. it's a great match to one-handers as well so that'd be fun to watch to attacking one-handers and then sinner versus shelton shelton beats sinner of course uh, recently so yeah that's going to be a really really good match so i'll probably do a preview most likely for the sinner shelton match i think that's worth doing a comprehensive preview on and in terms of yeah the brackets though it's up to you guys like if you want me to do it now i can do it now but if you're happy to wait and you'd prefer to kind of watch a more in-depth draw preview of um yeah if you if you'd rather that I did a more in-depth draw preview on Vienna and Basel then I can do that. Uh Dutch says Canada is the defending or are the defending Davis Cup champions. Yeah they are Max says who do you think will win the WTA finals in Cancun? I'm going with Eager. It's a good question. It's a good question. You know what? I, I don't find... I don't think Iga's won a WTA Finals yet, has she? I don't know if she's going to. On the WTA side, the winners of the WTA Finals have tended to be players who have then gone on to have a terrible season the next season. Uh, Mugarutha, for example. I... I mean, Iga's definitely, a, you know, very, very good bet right i mean she's what a lot of people will be picking uh but in terms of who i think will win i need to see how the courts are going to play in all honesty uh, if the courts are going to be quicker i don't think you will win i think it will be between sabalenka jabber maybe rabakina and it could be someone else as well couldn't it, it really could be it could be goff even on a quicker court potentially if it's a slower hard court, then you start to fancy someone like Shvantec because, you know, I feel like she will have an advantage on there. But it depends on the groups as well because 
it depends what what are going what are the two groups going to be. And in the WTA finals and ATP finals, a really exciting thing about it, especially the WTA side, because I feel like the ATP side with Novak is generally speaking, like last year he kind of cleaned up a little bit, but this year for the WTA finals is everyone can be everyone for the most part. And because there aren't many players who have really clean head-to-head records against anyone in the top eight, that it makes it really exciting and it becomes very hard to pick. But yeah, but let's see what the groups are first and then we can we can go from there, right? Because I'm, I'm excited. I actually think the WTA finals will be better to watch than the ATP finals. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it and I am happy that they have it spaced out the ATP finals and WTA finals because yeah it'd be nice it'll be interesting to see if the two tours ATP and WTA merge what would they do with the ATP and WTA finals would they be at the same venue for example and you have it all as one event like you would say a Masters 1000 tournament when you have the ATP and WTA um, players you know for example you might have a women's match and a men's match and a women's match and a men's match, for example, or like in a slam, or would it be that actually they still had it spaced out? I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Max says, I've heard that with Carlos's injury, plantar fasciitis takes a long time to heal. I don't know. I, I saw that it was a foot injury and was one of the injuries he had. I haven't looked into it in great detail, so I'd need to look at that to be fair. And uh, Max says, how do you think the Shelton Karatsev final in Tokyo will turn out. I hope Shelton can bring his A game. I think Shelton's a, a big favorite just because I when he's serving as big as he's serving, Karatsev isn't the best returner that I've seen. Um, he is going to spray the ball a lot, but so will Shelton. So it will be exciting in the sense that both players are going to hit a lot of winners, but there'll also be quite a few unforced errors on show. So it's going to be an exciting match to watch um i'm just gonna have a look and see if they've played each other before because i don't know if they have they have so ben shelton is one the the only time they played us open so relatively recent shelton won six four three six six two six love i think he'll win the only question mark will be around his mental game because it's his first, if I'm not mistaken, it's his first ATP level final. So let's see how he gets on. Let's see how he gets on. I'm intrigued to see how he gets on. And uh, yeah, zero career titles. So yeah, I mean, let's see. I hope he does win, just because I think he's an exciting player. I think him playing some really good tennis and being towards the top of the game is only positive. Brings a different type of energy. I like it. And yeah, he's got an exciting game. It's a different style, and we need those different styles, for sure. Matt says, WTA Elite Trophy is a tournament for the players ranked 9 to 20. Have they always had that? Have they always had that? Don't know. Hmm... Yeah, does anyone know if they've always had that? Because maybe I should not. Well, I obviously don't know, but I didn't know about that, to be honest. Gary says, what do you think of Ben Shelton's steady progress? Could he be the next great player from America? 
It's hard to say now, Gary, in all honesty. I think he obviously has a great serve, which is, you know, a real, real positive. He has a lot of power from the baseline. Uh, he's got pretty good hands. He seems quite athletic. So he has a lot going for him. I think the big question is going to be consistency and would he be able to play a high enough level consistently over two weeks to win, say, a slam? He's not there at the moment, that's for sure. The big question is going to be with Ben Shelton, is he going to be able to evolve and adapt and improve his game substantially year on year to then become what you're saying, one of America's next great players? Because that's what players who maybe are in his mold have had to do. If you look at, say, like a Roddick, uh, Roddick, you know, fantastic server, um, had some really, really incredible attributes. But say the backhand was definitely a weakness. Shelton's backhand, for example, was definitely a weakness. But how can he shore that up? How can he improve that to make it as good as it can be? If he maximizes his potential, Shelton, I don't see why he can't be a top 10 player. I mean, he's not that far off at the moment. And then the question is, he's made a semi-final of a slam already in the US Open. Would he be able to make a final? Would he be able to win one? I don't know, but it's been a good start, I think, to his career. Despite, I think, only just having the same amount of wins to losses so far in his career, in the big tournaments, in the big, on the big stages, he's shown real promise. He needs to be more consistent in the tournaments that aren't big. And that's why it's important, I think, that he's made a final this week in a so-called, you know, less major tournament, right? Like a, a tournament that's not quite as big as a Master 1000 or a Grand Slam. It's not on paper. So if he can continue to do this, then it's positive. But yeah, I think it's been good. I think it's been good as progress. I wouldn't have expected him to have done more. I actually think he's probably done more than I was expecting. Like to make a semi-final of a slam, I wasn't expecting that at all, in all honesty. Uh, so that's really positive. And I wasn't necessarily expecting him to win a title this year. So if he wins a title by beating Kratsev tomorrow, then I think he's exceeded my expectations for this year specifically. So let's see. Uh, Adam says, do you think Wozniacki will have some major success next year or is she too old in your opinion? I don't think she's going to win a slam. I, I think... Not necessarily too old, but I just think the game has moved on uh, from when she's been playing it. And even though she's played some... Well, to be fair to her, she came back and within a few months was competing towards the highest level of the game. Maybe she can compete and potentially win a slam. I mean, we saw Switzerland do it as well. Uh, you know, get very deep, making a semi-final of a slam. I don't see either of those players are winning a slam. I think they might get close, but I would be surprised if they do. I just think there's too many killers on tour. I think there's too many players you have to beat in a row for them to be able to get past all of them and then win. I mean, if you look at Ons Jabeur's route to Wimbledon, I mean, she had to beat, what was it, four Grand Slam champions on the way? I mean, it was like Ons It was Andrescu, Rabakina, uh, Sabalenka, and then she had Von Drusova 
Uh, so she played three Grand Slam champions. No, sorry, she played Andrescu Kvitova, um, Rabakina Sabalenka. So four Grand Slam champions back to back, and then played Von Drusva in the final and lost. Right. So if we think about that, Von Drusva had an easier run. Fine. But still, like it's just not easy. And there's a lot of competition on the WTA side at the moment. There's a lot of competition on the WTA side. So I don't necessarily think it's age potentially. I mean, obviously it's not it wouldn't have helped that she's been out of tennis for a long time, but she's started a family. She's had some really major life events that are more important than tennis. From a tennis standpoint, I find it Difficult to see her winning, but let's see. I mean, look, stranger things have happened. That's for sure. Stranger things have happened, um, no doubt. I mean, you know, Emma Raducanu won the US Open in 2021. I mean, no one expected that, right? Madison's grass court season will be shortened in 2025. Newport is getting dropped. Yeah. Question is, do they replace that tournament? We'll see. Pseudonym says, um, Mochizuki, what do his prospects look like now? Is he the new Nishikori? You know what? I'm very conscious that people start getting ahead of themselves then it becomes uh, I think we we need to be careful is really what I'm trying to get out here because yes I know that he has had some career generally anyway because he has been the world number one in the junior rankings before and I think he's won Junior Wimbledon as well. But like a semi-final run, beating Echeverry, Fritz, Poprin, they're all good wins, really good wins. Lost to Karatsev. We need to see more. If he does this in a, in more than one tournament, if he does it in, say, three tournaments in the next six months, then I'm like, okay, right, this, this guy's going to do something relatively soon. Like... I believe that he's going to do something big. Like Shanghai Masters, what do you do? Lost first round. Yes, open loss in the qualifiers. So there's not really been a huge amount, to be fair. Let's see. Let's see. Um, if he is able to show me more of what he showed at the Japan Open in Tokyo, then... I'm not going to say that he's going to be the next Nishikori because Nishikori was an incredible player who made a Grand Slam final, but there's definitely some real potential there, right? That is starting to be realized, which is only positive. So he's very young. He's 20 years of age. So you'd hope the only way is up, which is, yeah, what we want to see. Uh, so this is, does success in Japanese tennis translate into success in Chinese tennis? No? I mean, what? why, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> is that just a troll? No, of course not. Why Why would it? Why would it? No, of course not. Um, yeah. No, no, um, not at all, not at all. Uh, then she says, thanks for the stream, Fazan, no problem. I mean, does anyone have... Does anyone have any more questions? If you have more questions, then fire away. I mean, I'm happy to to go longer, but if people are done with questions, then we can wrap up soon. But 
I'll most likely what's the time? Yeah, I'll probably do the draw previews for Vienna and also for Basel tomorrow. Um, so I'll record those and then release them tomorrow. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, we've got an exciting Steffi Graf topical video, um, which, yeah, hopefully you guys will enjoy as well. Uh, Sule says, how's your day gone? Good, good. Uh, just pretty relaxing. Watch some football, watch some tennis. It's all good. Yeah, same old. Same old, same old. Um, so, yeah, can't complain. Can't complain. Um, but, yeah, okay. And, oh, this is interesting, Matt. What are your matches of the year on the WTN ATP? This is a, this is a big question. I mean, Matt's a big, big question. Look, I mean, we normally do, so the, just for those who don't know, who are maybe a bit new to the channel, we do a end-of-year awards for the channel. And normally we have two versions. So normally you have one, which is myself and some of the commentators and also uh, from the channel, so Anthony and like David and whoever else, like Pat, um, who's been on before as well, and say Ash. And we will come on and we will talk about... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, okay, what was our best or what was the best ATP match of the year, WTA match of the year. And, you know, in the past, I've done it with Cam Williams and Gil Gross and The Slice, for example, or Steven. So um, it's always a good discussion. So I haven't thought about it yet, but on the top of my head, I would say the Alcaraz Djokovic Cincinnati final stands out. Um, that was a really good, in terms of best of three, that was probably the best. And then actually the Wimbledon final was probably best, the best best of five um, on the top of my head. But that's just off the cuff. This is just like off, off the top of my head. I haven't really thought about it. WTA, I really enjoyed the Roland Garros final. It wasn't the highest level. It wasn't the highest level, uh, but the Svantec Mukova final was really, really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, in all honesty, that was a really good match. I enjoyed the Jabir Sabalenka win in the semi final. I thought that was a good match as well. Um, again, maybe not the highest level, like very topsy turvy, but was a good match. Um, and yeah, that's a good point. Matt says uh, definitely Alcaraz, Djokovic, Cincy, and Madrid WTA. Shrontek Sabalenka, that was a good one as well. That was a good one as well. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. Now, thing is, there's some really good matches I've been on uh, this year that some have gone, some have definitely gone under the radar as well. Maybe not the biggest names, but there've been some really, really good matches, um, especially on the WTA side. I feel the WTA side has so many bangers, like so many good matches, because I find like I find that the matches are a lot closer and more competitive on that on that tour. And uh, Sudo says, happy autumn leaves to you, Fizan. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, Sudo. Um, says, do you think Ons Jabeur will win a Grand Slam next year? I know that Von Drusseva is seemingly her kryptonite. Plus, she had a very tough route to the final, but I still think she collapsed a bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Von Drusseva has beaten Jabeur every time this year so far. 
Uh, so clearly it's not a style that Jabir likes, which is something she'll need to sort out next year, right? Because she might face her in a slam, especially because Von Drusfer is now higher ranked. It means that there's more of a chance of Jabir meeting her later on in a draw of a Master 1000, a 500 or a slam. So something that she might need to work through next year. Yeah, I mean, her route, in all honesty, if Jabir had won Wimbledon this year, it would have been one of the best Grand Slam runs or Grand Slam victories anyway that I've seen on the women's tour for a while because, as I said, she actually beat Andrescu, Kvitova, uh, Rabakina and Sabalenka, who are all Grand Slam champions. And you'd have to argue Sabalenka and Rabakina were the two, in my opinion, the two favourites uh, going into Wimbledon. So she beat them back-to-back to then make the final against Vondrusa. And you, you do wonder maybe was she a little bit mentally cooked i wouldn't say she was physically because i think she was fine but yeah i mean mentally could she be a little bit cooked and also the fact that she went into it again as the favorite the thing is it's easy for us to say well she plays better than underdog but then she played as an underdog at the us open last year against shviontek and she lost in straight sets now you could say well shviontek is shviontek you know that's a bit different i don't know i mean it's a difficult one because for Jabari, it's all up here. And that's exactly what you're saying, uh, Adam, that she collapsed a bit. And she did. She collapsed a bit mentally. That's exactly what happened. She got in her own head. Uh, she made it seem like it was the biggest thing ever in the world. And I think she just... She put so much pressure on herself, negative pressure on herself, uh, that it showed on court. And as soon as the match started going against her, she became very negative. Uh, and that's been her issue in all honesty. And I think she does do it generally in matches. I've seen it, but it's exacerbated, I think, when it's a match that's even higher stakes, potentially, especially a slam final where she's got scar tissue already uh, from previous losses at slam finals. So, uh, look, I mean, in all honesty, I think it's going to be a mind over matter scenario uh, if she does make another slam final which i hope she does um but also depends who she meets there because if she meets say shviontek in a final at roland garros it's going to be extremely tough or if she meets say i mean maybe wilden is her best bet because she meets sabalenka and rebecca on grass they're the two favorites for me on grass i know von drusova is going to be up there now but i don't think von... look i mean this is a very bold take from me but I don't think Von Drusfer is going to beat or win Wimbledon again. I, I I actually think she's better on clay and hardcore. I think she just played an incredible two weeks of tennis and that can happen. But I would be surprised if she wins Wimbledon again. Whereas Rebecca and Sabalenka, you know, I mean, Sabalenka hasn't won it yet. I can see her winning it. I can see Rebecca winning it again. Um, even Goff potentially winning it. Uh, and the issue that Jabir is going to have next year is that there's now players that are gaining more and more confidence, like Goff has just won the US Open, she's now up there. She's she's with them, right? She's with Shviontek, Rebecca, and Sabalenka. You can't say she's not. She's won a slam. So there's not just three. There's four of them now. There's four, four girls at the top of the game who are saying, look, we've won slams, and we're going to continue to do so. We're going to continue to compete. Come and get it. Like, you know, you're going you're gonna to potentially get past at least two of us in a 
you know, in a run to a Grand Slam title. So then you throw in Wondrusova, you throw in Pagula, you throw in, you know, whoever else, it becomes tougher and tougher. So Jabir, I think, you know, next year really is almost, for, to me, I think the next two years are make or break. I think if she doesn't win a slam in the next two years, she'll never win one. Um, she's getting a bit older anyway. I think she's, I want to say she's 29. So, in fact, let's just check. Let's just check rather than guessing. Um, do, 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 um, 29, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Good guess from me. But, yeah, look, I... Look, my heart says yes. That should be one because I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a massive fan of her in terms of her game. I think it's really, really exciting. I think she seems like a really good person as well, like a really great person. Again, I haven't met her, so I'm just going off what I've seen. But she's very likable. She seems like she's the most liked player on the tour. I'm hoping that she does win it. And I think Wimbledon is probably her best bet because I just feel, you know, that how quick the Australian Open hardcourts are, I don't necessarily think that... I don't think she's going to have massive success on a fast hardcourt like the Australian Open. French Open, she's good at Reagan on clay, but then there's Shriontek. So I think for her to win on clay or to win Roland Garros, she needs to be... She needs to somehow avoid Shviontek, and that means someone beating Shviontek before she's potentially going to meet her. That's how. I, that's the only way I see her winning it. And then Wimbledon, I, I do think like she's up there. She'll be one of the contenders. So that's her best chance. U.S. Open, you know, still a fast hardcore, but it's a bit slower. It's got more of a chance in the Australian Open. But again, I just think there's so many contenders for the U.S. Open hardcourts, and there's so many players that play well on hardcourts on the WTA side. I think it's going to be tough. So let's see. Let's see. But um, if you were to ask me, look, Fazan, who's going to win Wimbledon next year? I'll say Jabir, but I don't know. In <laughs> honesty, I hope she does it, but we'll see. Uh, Matt says, I don't think it was the most well played, but that Rabakina Kasakina match was crazy. I've never seen a match like that one in Montreal. Yes. Yeah, in terms of WTA match of the year. Uh, Davis says, with a few months of perspective on Breakpoint Season 1, it's fair to say it's pretty meh. Watch some. Uh, Behind the scenes interviews via Gil Gross. The filmmakers aren't tennis fans, really. Um, has that hurt the show? Yeah, yeah, I saw, I didn't watch it, but I saw that you had them on, which is quite cool. I was really expecting more impact on the tennis landscape with an influx of fans. Uh, is this not just, it's not just Breakpoint's fault, but our fault as tennis fans and being a little bit snobby and gatekeepy, lol. Not the, not the most welcoming sport to follow, maybe. That, though, brings me back to my point about growing tennis and having it... You know, look, tennis is a global sport, but I, I, I'm going to give a really good example here because a good example of a sport that isn't global enough and hasn't grown enough is cricket, um, which is a bit of a random example to people that don't even know anything about cricket as a sport. Uh, you might be like, what are you talking about, for example? Well, cricket is a sport that is really only... Well, it's only got a very big following in a handful of countries, really. 
Um, you know, it's not very big in a lot of countries. It's not, in my opinion, a prominent global sport. Um, you know, it's very concentrated around India and England and Australia and Pakistan, whatever, right? South Africa, even New Zealand, I guess, to a degree. But then they've also got rugby. Um, and then England has also got football and rugby. Um, but then if we take tennis, now tennis is a unique sport where it's got players from so many different countries. We need to tap into that. Now, for example, having a tournament in Monastery in Tunisia this week, great. Having the Asian swing back, great. Loving it. They need to continue to do that. Just continue to push tennis into different regions, different territories. Let's really spread the word. Um, but I agree. I think in terms of the casual fan and gaining new fans in existing existing geographies that already have fans, but maybe you know there's a large percentage of people who don't watch the sport and they've never thought about watching it. How do we attract them? Breakpoint was supposed to be the answer to that. They're going to make another season. We can see how it goes. It is a bit disappointing that filmmakers were not tennis fans because, in all honesty, I think if they weren't tennis fans, fine, but you need at least maybe one person on the team that's a real, real tennis fan that can help guide it because there needs to be an element that, yes, we need to tune into people that aren't tennis fans to start off with, and then you can make them tennis fans, but it needs to be a process of getting them from okay, this is a person who's never watched this in their life, they don't understand the game at all, to by the end of watching it, if they're enjoying it, then they know enough about tennis, they have an understanding about tennis that when they then, for example, try and join these chats or they try and jump onto Twitter or X or whatever and you know try and get involved in tennis chats, they feel like they are in their depth. Because if they feel like they're out of their depth, then actually they don't know anything because... Breakpoint keeps on skipping, you know, pivotal points um, or pivotal highlights um, or moments, for example, major tournaments, then that's not going to help. So, yeah, I think there's definitely some things they could have done better um, with it. I generally didn't mind it, kind of enjoyed it. And my wife, who isn't a tennis fan, she kind of liked it. She Well, she liked it enough to watch all of it, so with me. So that's positive. And she's not a, a massive sports fan by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, look, the problem with tennis as well is that as a sport, it's expensive to play generally. So there's not a huge amount of players, percentage-wise, who have come from less fortunate backgrounds uh, that are playing tennis at a high level or gross root level. Um, so then that brings us also back to something we were talking about earlier, which is, well, what courts are the cheapest to run and what are the cheapest then going to be to rent, to play on, and also equipment-wise. Like, you know, for example, football, you can literally just buy a football between 22 of you or even if you're going to play five-a-side 10 of you and you can go to the park and you just put down, you know, your jumpers as goalposts and you just play. With tennis, you need to buy some tennis balls, you need to buy a racket, you need to buy potentially a shock absorber, to buy some tennis shoes you know that's already pretty expensive uh you know that's not the best <laughs> you know right that's not ideal it's not ideal 
Uh, and then if you want to play regularly at club, you need to buy a tennis membership, right? Um, or if you go down just to your local park, maybe actually the courts are free. So maybe you get, maybe you're fortunate and you've got free courts, but you still need a tennis racket, you still need tennis balls, right? So it's just more expensive. And that's just the fact of the matter. If you want to become better, then yeah, you need to pay more for memberships or coaching or whatever. So it's just one of those things that's not as accessible, I think, as some other sports, which is why it maybe doesn't have that as much of a cult following as some other sports. But there are definitely ways to grow it, uh, no doubt. And hopefully we can continue to do that. And I think Breakpoint is the whole premise behind it is positive. Could it have been done in a slightly better way? Probably. But the intention, I think, is good in the sense that we're trying to get more people involved in the sport who maybe ordinarily wouldn't have even looked at it as an interest. So, yeah, I mean, positive generally, I would say. Uh, Ram Ram says, did you get a watch? Uh, sorry, did you get a chance to watch team recently? It seems like his backhand became his best shot post-return. Took over the forehand that was probably top three in the world. Do you share this feeling? I mean... His backhand is definitely better than his forehand at the moment. But I've seen him recently slice it a lot and actually not... Okay, so let me break this down actually into two parts. So one, okay, generally speaking, since his, since his return, his forehand has not been as good as it was uh, prior to his return. Just because... Well, he had issues with his right wrist, which is obviously very crucial with your forehand. So he's had a little lack of confidence, I think, on that forehand side. Um, up until recently, so majority of the time, his backhand has been very good. Um, it's always been good, to be fair, but I think that's been the better side, no doubt. Recently, in the last few weeks, however, his backhand has actually looked a bit off. He's been slicing it a lot, which I'm not a fan of. And it's almost like, like he's lost a bit of confidence in his backhand, which isn't a good sign. And actually, he's been running around his backhand to his forehand more, which I think is what David's saying here. Um, agreed. You can see his lack of confidence in running around his backhand to hit forehands like he used to more, even though his backhand is quality overusing slices. Sad to see. Lack of confidence in running around his backhand. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he is definitely running around his backhand more recently. I think he's trying to tap into how he was before with his forehand. Uh, the slices, yeah, I agree. Overusing slices, I don't get it. His slice is not great either. <laughs> when I when I see him slice, I don't like it. I genuinely think. I don't mind it as a change-up, but he's been overusing it big time. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, it's a really bizarre choice, uh, in my opinion. He's got such a good backhand, drive backhand, that is. And uh, says, I, I know I'm watching highlights of him from his prime, and he's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Novak and Rafa from the baseline with confidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a beast. Absolute beast. Prime team was an absolute beast. 
Um, incredible ground strokes from the baseline. Incredible athleticism. Um, competitiveness as well. Just, I mean, he, he had almost everything. I mean, he was such a good player. I, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating when I say that. I mean, of course, he would have had some weaknesses. But generally speaking, you know, he's going to throw with these guys when they're in their primes as well. So, yeah, because what he was, he was doing it... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, we're talking, well, maybe not in their primes, but, you know, they're playing not far off their top levels, right? So that's damn impressive. Um, and look, it's a shame. I'm hoping that he can get back to close to what he was. It's looking more and more unlikely the more I watch him. But I do think a lot of it is down to confidence. And he's had some really close matches with some really top players. For example, Sitsipas, if he wins in Vienna against Sitsipas in that first round match, and I almost feel like he might be getting Sitsipas in a good moment because Sitsipas has not been playing the best recently. If he can beat Sitsipas in Vienna, that is going to be a massive confidence boost. He hasn't had a real marquee victory team since his return. He's got very close. He's had some really close matches against some top players, but he hasn't managed to go over the line. If he beats Sitsipas in Vienna, we might see him go on a little bit of a run. And that could be a catalyst, I'm hoping, for him to... I'm not saying he's necessarily going to play exactly like he did in the, in the highlights that Ram Rabu's talking about, but I'm thinking, I'm hoping that he will... You know... I'm hoping that he will at least start bridging the gap between his level now and his level then. Dave says, I've got a question as a recentish tennis fan at least week-to-week -week intense viewing analysis law. What are the biggest instances in memory of revisionist history? Um, it's a good question. It's a good question. Um... Well, I guess everyone talking about Big Four, right? I mean, everyone talking about Big Four, talking about Murray and then now. It's all Big Three, Big Three, right? People kind of very quickly forgot, I guess. But yeah. Uh, David says, or overrating players' ability to achieve things if only they weren't injured, etc. So I think Del Potro's won, but you know what? I don't know. I don't like. I don't like to say that because I actually think he could have won more slams. You could say Murray as well because. But then thing is, when Murray got injured, would he have won more slams? I think he would have won more slams if the big three went around. Would he have won more slams generally? I don't know if he would have. I don't know if he would have. Just being honest. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that when Andy got injured, that actually maybe he wasn't. I'm trying to think when he got specifically got injured, though. Thing is, I think he was struggling for a while with the injury and then kind of put off getting surgery. But no, I mean, Del Potro is one, definitely. Um, even team, I mean, we're talking about team, but would team have won 
another slam. I mean, the slam that he won, right? If we if we're gonna be honest about it, he beat Zverev in the final. As Zverev, who was leading and you know was serving for the match, if I'm not mistaken, in a terrible, terrible quality match. Um, you know, he comes up against Novak or Rafa in that final. He doesn't win. I mean, he made a lot of slam finals. He didn't win any of them. He didn't beat Rafa. He didn't beat Novak in those finals. So how good was he actually? To be to be frank. I mean, Del Potro, he won his slam beating Federer in the final. I mean, that's a bigger achievement than what team did. Got to be honest about it, right? Murray, like, won his finals beating, you know, Djokovic was the first time. You know, that's pretty damn impressive. I mean, to be fair... Djokovic, Djokovic, Raonic, wasn't it? I think so. He he didn't beat Federer or Nadal in a final. Could we be a bit harsh and be like, okay, well, maybe he makes a few other finals um, after winning his third slam? But if he meets, say, Rafa or he meets Roger, does he beat them in the final? Don't know. Don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he's stuck on three still. I'll just keep asking a bit early, but will you be considering Sinner as a contender for the Australian Open 2024? By contender, I mean someone who has the legitimate chance to win the title like Novak, Alcaraz, and Medvedev. This is a good question. You know, with Sinner, it's really down to if he can stay fit. And also, it's really down to the first few matches because if he gets into a war playing four or five set of matches back-to-back, two, three matches in a row, I mean, even if he plays a five-setter early on, I think, I think he needs to have a first week where he barely drops a set and then I'm thinking, yeah, he's a contender. That's kind of how I look at it. Going into it, he should be a contender. He should be. He's got the ability, but it's just can he keep up a consistent level over two weeks? I'm not quite sure if he's got it. So... Let's see, but he should be. He should be, yeah. He should be. Sure, says David's testing you there. I don't mind. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Got to, yeah, exactly. And since I think that next year, Samson Avoka could replace somebody like Sakari in the top 10. In my opinion, her mental holds her back, which is a pity because she has such an astonishing game. I think, you know what? Samson Avoka is a really good player. You make a really good... She's got a very... Like she seems like she's got a very complete game as well. Honestly, she beat Rabakina recently, and I remember watching it thinking, she is some player. Like, why is she not higher ranked? And uh, yeah, I I could see that. I think she, her game is actually better than Zachary's. I think she's got a more complete game, but maybe it's the mental aspect, Adam, as you're saying. So let's see. Can she improve on that? Can she maybe? maybe something can click in her mental game and she can start believing more or start having more confidence in her game. And if so, then she's a real, real contender, I think, for slams next year, honestly. Um, for sure. Matt says, I don't know how it is in the UK or the rest of Europe, but watching tennis in America is very expensive. It's always been this way. Do you think this tears people away from the sport? A very good point. Look, I mean, it's an interesting one because... 
there's two things, and I'll, I'll use the example of football or soccer that you guys talk about it, right? So football here, right, it's expensive as well to watch football. Like there's a, lot, there's a few different networks, but what I will say is not as much as tennis. So here we've got Sky and BT. They're the two main ones. Amazon Prime show a few games as well, but they're, they're the two main ones. There's only two. Still expensive, but fine too. But they also have the BBC, which is, which is, no regular well not regular tv but it's basically it's, it's free view tv so anyone can watch it in the uk they have highlights on a saturday eve and sunday evening of all the matches right so it's free to view for tennis in the uk as to be fair with the example you have sky eurosport amazon prime potentially Discovery Plus, that's four different platforms potentially to pay for. On top of that, you don't have like a, a highlight show on TV. But I guess like football nowadays, you also, you do have YouTube, which, you know, you can use for highlights. Fine, fine. But it doesn't have the same. It, it doesn't have the same, right? Like, it doesn't have the same exposure. It doesn't have the same viewership. And exactly what, like what you're saying, Matt, does that tear people away from the sport? Yeah, it does. I think it does. I think having to pay for so many, I think if they had tennis in one place to watch, it would make it a lot better. But the problem is money talks. And how do you get it all in one place? You need a a platform that's willing to pay big, big bucks um, to take it off those or take it off the existing network's hands. Uh, so I don't think it's going to happen, but it would definitely help. Uh, Dave says, Team Slam's CV is better than Delpo's. Well, his Slam CV is better in terms of people he's beaten, but in terms of the Slam that he won, definitely not. The slam that he won, Delpo's slam is better than teams, in my opinion. Just because of who you face in the final. Uh, Sean says, Sinner's serve lets him down often. He needs to be able to close out sets more easily. Agreed. Yeah, his serve. His serve's an interesting one because when exactly what David's saying here, I agree with. He's saying, agreed, Sean, when the first serve percentage is high, he's insane too low too often. Yeah, I mean, the, the first serve percentage needs to be higher. He needs to be more consistent. And also, he needs to hit his spots better. His second serve can be a little bit pedestrian at times. And uh, he can collapse potentially on that second serve as well. Be more double faults than maybe he'd like. But yeah, the, the serve is crucial, honestly. It is so crucial to his success in his career. I think what people don't realize, uh, as I think players realize it, but as fans as well, is that the serve is the most important shot. This is the most important shot. If you have a really, really good serve, the chances are you're going to hold serve more often than not and more comfortably than like more comfortably than a lot of players. That is a massive plus because other players, they will give you a chance potentially to to break to break them because they will make mistakes in one game and they'll open up and you think okay i've got a bit of confidence here and i can get into it if you are consistently holding serve all the time is such a advantage such an advantage 
Um, and you know, the, some of the best players ever, I mean, Federer's got one of the highest win percentages on his service games ever. Um, and there's a reason for that, right? Because of how, how good he served, how well he backed it up. But yeah, I mean, in all honesty, it's just, I just think Sinner needs to really put a lot of emphasis on that, um, on his serve. He really, really does. Um, and he needs to find a way to just be more consistent, be able to hit different types of serve effectively. And he's putting the hard yards. I'm sure he will. Uh, but he's not in a position at the moment where I look at him and I say, yeah, you know what? He's Mr. Reliable on serve. He's just a bit too inconsistent. So I agree, the serve is huge. Uh, David says, with my previous statement, it is close about team and Delpo and slams. I can go either way. Fair enough. Uh, Rarami says, who has a high ceiling? Oh, wow. Oh, Corder or Shelton. Would you agree that these two are the US's best chance for a male slam winner out of the existing pool? Yeah, I mean, if you'd asked me a while ago, I would have said TFO, potentially. Um, even maybe Fritz, but yeah, I think it's looking more and more likely that these two are probably going to be the ones I don't now see Tommy Paul or Corda, sorry, Tommy Paul or TFO or Fritz winning a slam. I, I think it's unlikely in honesty. Um, could I see Shelton winning a slam? So, my view on this is I There's not like I'm not going to explain because this is literally just my initial, like, very quick initial thoughts. For some reason, my gut tells me that Corda has more of a chance of winning a slam. I just think with his game, it's more complete. Um, I can see him winning a slam. I'd be surprised if he finishes his career and he hasn't won one. I just think he's that good. I think that's how, how high a ceiling he's got. I think his ceiling's really high. I think Shelton's ceiling's high, but I actually don't think it's as high as Corder's. I really rate Corder and his ability. I think his potential is very high. I think his potential is really high. And he's got a pretty complete skeleton of a game. So let's see. I think it's a lot to do with... There's three factors for Corder. It's injuries, staying fit, his consistency, his level. How consistent is, is it going to be? Is he going to be able to play a certain level? And three, also improvements. Is he going to continue to improve his game? Um, because, you know, if he stands still, he won't win one. Um, for Shelton, I think I can see he's already improving his game, so that's a positive. Fitness doesn't seem to be a massive issue. I think he's staying relatively fit. And then the third one is just skill level now. Can he play a consistent level for two weeks? I mean, he made the semifinals of the US Open already, so he's gone deeper in a slam than Corder has in his career so far. Could he win a slam? I mean, let's see. Look, I want to see what he's like at the Australian Open. I reckon he could go deep. He'll go deep. If he gets a favorable draw, he could do it. He could do it. I don't see why not. 
at some point. I'm not saying this Australian Open. I'm just saying generally at some point. Uh, Matt says Tennis Channel, Tennis Channel Plus, ESPN, ESPN Plus, NBC, ABC, Peacock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Davis says, building upon Matt's question, just want to rant about the viewing of women's tennis highlights. So much worse and less accessible than men's. It feels like there's pressure to watch live or suffer. Yeah, you know what, actually? And one thing that I... This is such a minor thing, but the WTA, their highlights are not as long as the ATP highlights, for one. And for two, they... Like, sometimes they'll have highlights and there'll be a break of serve and they won't have even shown it. Like, they'll skip it. It's really weird. So, like, there'll be a a set where it's one all and all of a sudden it's 3-1 to someone. I'm like, why have you not shown the break point? Like, that not that an important part of this match and these highlights? It's almost like they put together a comp- compilation of the best shots rather than the most important points, if that makes sense. Plus, also the best shots. Um, and they never have extended highlights as well. Uh, plus, the highest quality that they have for the videos are 720p, which is ridiculous, considering it's a WTA and they have they are probably earn millions of revenue. So, I mean, they need to step up their game uh, for one. And for two, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, there's definitely not as much in terms of women's highlights that are accessible. One thing I will say is that there are some channels out there, and I don't know how they get away with doing it, but they um, clip up matches and make highlights of them. And you can watch them on YouTube. And they're, they're independent YouTube channels, and they do highlights for like women's matches and their clips are actually and highlights are actually a lot better than say the wta so worth looking out for those potentially um but yeah interesting and basically you've got to go really out there for women's highlights compared to tennis tv's well packaged videos yeah um as on regular tennis channel they lean heavily towards the men they do they do they do i mean there needs to be more balance i mean even on it's funny, like, I've heard a couple of people complain on, on the comments, right, of uh, some of our videos saying that we're way too, like, male-heavy. And I'm like, look, we're not. We're just, you know, especially for streams, it's just when people are available, nonsty. And also, at the end of the day, I give people the choice of what matches they want to do. But normally, it's just this time suits better. And especially... At this time of the year, there's not as many major WTA tournaments. Like we were saying, the WTA Finals is the, is the last real big tournament for them. Um, whereas the ATP have the Paris Masters Final and then Paris Masters, sorry, and they've got the ATP Finals. So that's just, yeah, the way it is at the moment. And even next week, for example, there's some stacked ATP um, draws, but there's not a WTA one. So, yeah, I just said what it is, but I mean, there's periods of the year where we'll cover a lot more WTA because the tournaments and the matchups are just better. <laughs> it's just simple. So, uh, and we'll just cover the tennis matches that are the best ones at the time. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's male or female. So, um, it's important to me as well that we have a balance because I just think that, especially at the moment, the current WTA scene is very, very exciting. Versus they do all they can to get you to buy TC Plus. I have it till Ryan Garros and I may be up the creek. Okay. Very nice. Um, Davis Shelton got so close already this year and he's barely out of college tennis. Taking this into account, the fact he likes the big stage ever improving, I can't see him slammers by 25 if he keeps up. Okay. 
Matt says, if tennis TV had men and women, I would probably go with them. True, yeah. Uh, this kind of momentum is scary. True, true. WTA does not do a good job selling their products. Agreed, yeah. Uh, Dave says, agreed. Bizarre highlights make... Sorry, highlight makers are more dodgy on WTA highlights. I've seen entire sets skipped. Bloody hell. I tried to go 50-50 on the social media sites this time of year as an exception. Yeah, yeah. It's what it is. It is what it is. Guys, do you have more questions? Because if you have more questions, fire them in. Otherwise, we'll wrap it up in five minutes. I'm happy to yeah, go a bit longer. No problem at all um, as well. But yeah, we'll be doing the draw previews for Vienna and Basel. Release them tomorrow as two recorded videos. So check, well, keep an eye out for those. David will be doing the final for Bublik versus Fields tomorrow as well. Should be exciting. Should be exciting final. Um, I'm sure. And what else have we got? Oh, we've got Sefi Graph, topical graphic video coming out. So that should be out probably Monday or Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy that one as well. But yeah. That says go to bed, Fazan. Okay, fair enough. Go to bed. I will. So you Fazan, and thanks again. No problem at all. Andre's wife, yeah, Andre Agassi, yeah. Well, you say Andre's wife, but I think it's more like he's Steffi Graf's husband because she, even though Andre Agassi was a great player, Steffi Graf was uh, even better. <laughs> I mean, she's she's up there, right? I mean, her and her Navratilova and Serena are—they're the ones that are like the goats. That's what everyone's like. Yep, yeah, there's the ones. Davis has dropped the historical tennis video, something about China playing tennis back in the day and stuff. China playing tennis back in the day. I think that'd be interesting. What do you mean? What do you mean? Fine, David, just put, put it in the comms chat that we've got on WhatsApp. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we look, the topical videos, we've got some good ones. I think, I think Anthony's going to do one on Del Potro. Um, Anthony's going to do one on Del Potro and what might have been. We are talking about Del Potro earlier in this one, so he's keen to do that, so he'll be doing that. Um, it'll be a graphical, topical video as well. This is, was it China? They invented football, right? Yeah, they, and a, well, Boris Johnson uh, from the UK said that um, the UK invented ping pong, not China, so yeah, I'll believe him. Anyway, on that note, Thank you very much, guys. Um, stay safe and well, and we will see you. Well, I'll see you tomorrow in the comment section, hopefully, for the draw previews. Appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you hit that like button before you go. And also, thank you to all you members as well. You guys are very, very important. We love you all. Thank you. See you guys later.